Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, I am Tom Appel, and this is episode 147 of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our 2022 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or truck. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide and a bunch of other fun stuff. And, and this is important, you can catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. All right, let's see who's online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work is all over the internet. Hello, Jill Simonello. Hello, Tom Appel. Jill, where are you? <laughs> I am not in Chicago at the moment. I'm currently in Utah, sitting in a control room of a racetrack. That's where I'm at. I would not have guessed Utah if you gave me a lot of guesses. Of where there's a really good racetrack? Well, I think... Um, we just got here, and I, I believe it's called Miller Motorsports, and it's just outside of Salt Lake City. And we are testing the GR Corolla and the GR Supra from Toyota, both of which have a manual transmission. So that's that's what I'm I'm getting ready to do today. The the Supra with a manual is cool, but I have a little bit of Supra fatigue. But the GR Corolla. Sounds yes. crazy, like absolutely crazy. Tell, just tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah, so this is the, the new hot hatch from Toyota. It has the same basic shape as the Toyota Corolla hatchback, but it, got, it has a little bit of a wider stance. It has more functional air vents. It has a higher horsepower engine. It has three exhaust pipes um, that are functional. And it just, it looks really cool. It sounds really cool and um, manual transmission only. There you go. Uh, is that all-wheel drive? It is. Um, and it, it has all -wheel a drive. new all-wheel drive. I'm not sure if I can exactly talk about it, but it, it is all-wheel drive, and it's a new system from Toyota. There you go. But as, as for noise, I'm sort of yeah. tired of sort of manufacturer-tuned crazy exhaust notes that are sort of artificial. But this uh -huh. thing is a one-and-a-half-liter, three-cylinder turbocharged engine that's really strung out. This should yeah. sound awesome. It, yeah, it does. I, I actually, um, when they launched it back in, golly, I can't even remember when they launched it, a few months ago, I have a TikTok video, because I know how much you love TikTok, uh, but I have uh -huh, a TikTok video uh -huh. of the exhaust on there, and I'll probably get some more today um, to put on TikTok again. Um, but yeah, just starting the vehicle up and like the, the crackles and pops are pretty cool. Can you say when this car goes on sale? Um, I believe the core edition, which is the base model, will go on sale this fall. But then you, there's two other models. The Circuit, which is a 2023 um, spring date, and it's 2023 model year only. So Circuit is like special edition 2023. Oh. And then they'll have the Maurizio edition. Um, and both the Maurizio and the Circuit will be available in, I think they said spring 2023. So you'll be able to get the base core model starting this fall and then um, which you know will have all the good crackles and pops and engine manual transmission fun stuff um, but to level up you'll have to wait until spring but the good news is on the base model you'll have some packaging options that will give you um, some some nice options so at any rate you fall you will be able to get this in fall there you go I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seat time in that. Um, mm. I assume I'll fit. Does this have really restrictive sports seats? Uh, it, it does. I haven't, I'll, I'll be honest oh. with you, I haven't sat oh. in it yet. Um, it okay. does have sports seats. I don't know if they're really restrictive yet. But then again, right. I weigh 95 pounds. There's nothing much that's restrictive for me. <laughs> See, I, I weigh a little bit more. A little bit more you, than you, that. You, you are like three Jills. So, yes, yeah. you do weigh a little bit more than that. J3X, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's not talk about the sporty stuff for a moment. You wrote an article. You wrote an article recently posted um, about the the long term uh, ownership cost of driving mm -hmm. an EV versus a gasoline vehicle. Talk about that. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, we had my boss on the podcast a few weeks ago, maybe about a month or so ago, and he had an article that he wanted to talk about, about the barriers to EV ownership. And one uh -huh. of the things that he said in that article was that um, the EVs cost a lot more than a gasoline engine. And I'm like, do they, do they really? So I kind of like went down a bit of a rabbit hole because I'm like, what exactly are these costs? And I'll be honest, for my article, I took a very narrow focus um, sure. because there's so many things that you can consider from tires to the battery cost to the engine cost to the upfront cost to, I mean, there's just so many things. So strictly what I looked at in this article is fuel costs, quote unquote, fuel costs, so electricity and gasoline versus um, maintenance costs. And I, I did, I have like a table in here where I kind of project out um, what it will cost after one year, what it will cost after two years, what it will cost after three years, five years, and then 10 years. And it, it's kind of fascinating because your fuel costs for an EV are going to be about $820 a year, like if you use um, your at-home charging. Um, whereas and this, you're looking- this is for what vehicle? Oh, oh, yeah, let me back this up a bit. Okay, so we have a lot of gasoline and electric vehicles out there, but we have very few right now, which right. are, um, we have a gasoline version of it and an electric version of it. And so I focused specifically on the Ford F-150 um, versus the Ford F-150 Lightning. Um, again, okay. working for pickup truck plus SUV talk, that, that's kind of where I went. And, you know, the F-150 is the only one, the only pickup truck right now that has both an electric and a gasoline version. So that's, that's where I looked. So uh, $820 for electricity per year. And then for the uh, XLT version, you're looking at, um, and I looked at both the base 3.3 liter engine and then the, um, mm -hmm. you know, the probably the volume seller, the 2.7 liter engine. So for the base engine, you're looking at $2,700. And then for the uh, volume engine, um, you're looking at about $2,600 a year. So right there alone, you have a huge disparity in cost of quote unquote fuel. Um, but when you go down, I went um, to the owner's manuals and I got um, the uh, recommended maintenance. So annual maintenance and um, like the 20,000, 30,000, all those kinds of numbers. Well, here's the interesting thing. So you'll have annual maintenance for the Lightning, which will be $39 a year. And I went to a dealership in Nebraska because my Tim lives in, in Nebraska. And so I based everything off of Nebraska prices because I figured middle America. Um, and the um, twice Is year Nebraska really middle America. Well, it's in the middle of America, so sure. Okay, okay physically, I suppose. Yes, physically. Okay, continue, but I mean, continue. I just didn't think it would be fair to look at Chicago prices because sh Chicago skews. So, um, and rather than do the national average, and I, I, I don't know, so I chose Nebraska. Um, I may have been trying to make a point with my boss also, but um, so twice yearly, you have twice yearly maintenance in the gasoline vehicle, which is $50 a year. Then you have annual maintenance. Um, so just once, because so you have to get oil changes like twice a year in a gas vehicle, but okay. once a year, you're going to be looking at rotating your tires, doing a multi-point inspection, brake pads, that kind of stuff. Once a year, $39. So $100 a year for gasoline, $39 versus, you know, the electric on down the line. And there's a lot of maintenance. So like 30,000 miles, 60,000 miles, 100,000 miles, you don't have to do in an electric vehicle that you have to do in a gasoline vehicle. So yeah, I just... Yeah, and I think that's key. There, there's yeah. just a lot less maintenance you need on an EV. Yeah. And, and so I posted this to my LinkedIn page. I think I currently have 105 comments um, on it, which by the way is a lot. <laughs> On, on any LinkedIn post, but 105 comments, and I kind of skimmed through them, I'll be honest. I didn't like go into depth and respond to every one. Um, but the, the two things that people are, are um, giving me a hard time for in this article are that I didn't look at tire costs because they seem to think that, you know, the low resistance um, electric tires for the F-150 Lightning will need to be replaced more because the F-150 is heavier and that they will cost more. So. I, had, I didn't do the tire analysis and I didn't talk about the cost to replace a battery or an engine because people who are EV cautious 
you know, assume that in two years you're going to have to replace your battery. And so they, they think it's going to just be this big exorbitant cost to, to replace your battery. And I need to dig in. I need to do the research. I need to see what the cost is. But most OEMs who have an EV that is coming out in 2022 think you will be able to go the life of the vehicle without needing to change the battery. And I'll be honest with you, that's why I didn't look at it. But people are curious and people want to know. So I, I, I do plan a couple of follow-up articles to look at like tire costs and also to look at um, you know the price of a battery versus the price of an engine. And you're probably looking, like I, I'm not even gonna guess. I did see um, there was a, a, a sticker sheet going around or a, an invoice going around for a Volt with a V um, battery replacement oh. that was gonna cost like $30,000. Right, so, so I, need to, I just need to address that for one moment. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. And uh -huh. whether or not that is real, it's irrelevant. It was a single dealer quoting a single customer Correct. for a vehicle that's very old. Um, it means nothing. Also, I did my own searching for a replacement battery for that vehicle, and I saw prices mm -hmm. of five to ten thousand dollars. So it's expensive, but it wasn't thirty k. Yeah. But but anyway, yeah, I no, didn't mean to interrupt and, you. And, no, and and I mean, I actually reached out to General Motors about this because I was like. Um, so is is like what what is this this cost here and is it real and i was trying to find um they they gave me a statement that basically says what you said that you know this is one dealer there are other options that you could have employed um let's see i think i've got it right here there was um, a single service writer thinking he was going to make the 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 uh the commission of the year yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so it was, you know, I did get a general statement back that was, it says, we cannot comment or confirm the specific estimate of work without the full details, including whether the customer requested a full battery replacement. It's important to note the GM does offer other options beyond complete battery replacement, including replacements of the battery modules and sections, as well as refurbished battery systems, which are less costly options for customers. So yeah, I, I have um, gotten that yeah. question both on Facebook and on the radio. People ask yeah. me if that was real, and it's not, folks. Even if it's real, it's not real. I mean, so there is actually a USA Today article out that is a fact check of that, and it is real. It is a real invoice from a real dealership, but, you know, per this statement, um, you know, there are other options, and I'm sure there was dealer markup involved in that. All right, so let's go, let's just kind of sum up what you've done here, though. I wanted to go back to your fuel costs because those are exactly mm -hmm. the numbers that I've generated before, where you spend mm -hmm. about three and a half times more money, three to yeah. four times more money on, on gasoline than you do electricity. So you're way ahead of the game there in annual costs. Obviously, you do have the upfront yeah. costs of charging, and you will pay more if you charge at a public charging station. But even then, you're saving money. But I wanted to get to these bottom line numbers. You created a chart way at the bottom of yeah. your article here. So the 10-year, you you have projected these costs out to 10 years. Yes. And, and let's just brush aside the fact that you've admitted that auto journalists are bad at math. I'm going to assume your calculator is working here. <laughs> I, I went through these calculations like 20 times, so I'm hoping they're right. I feel like they were different right. every time, but yeah. And obviously, none of this stuff can be super accurate because inflation, because rounding errors, whatever. But the 10-year mm -hmm. cost of ownership, your projected 10-year cost of ownership for the F-150 Lightning, the electric mm -hmm. F-150, about 10 grand. Yep, just, just over that, 10 grand. And that is the cost, is that the combined cost of energy plus maintenance? Yes, Okay. And then for the F-150 with the base V6 engine, which no one should own, uh, <laughs> $30,000. With the 2.7 liter turbo, which I think you're right. I think that is the most popular engine option in the, the F-150. About mm -hmm. the same, right around $30,000, $29,000. So the cost savings, and these are the numbers that I think everyone wants to hear, versus the standard V6, about $21,000, versus the, uh, the, the savings of owning the Lightning over the base yep. V6 uh, is about 21000 and over the yep. one with the turbocharged 2.7 liter V6, which is a fine engine, about $19,000. So huge yep. cost savings. We should talk about the stuff that you don't have to do because part of this too that we're not figuring here, which isn't a dollar cost, is the time cost of going in for service. And you have to do yep. less of that if you own the Lightning. And if you're a commercial owner, that's a really big deal. But if you're just a person who hates to be inconvenienced, that's a big deal too, yeah. right? 
Yeah, and, and I do have a whole section on time costs because, you know, in discussions with my boss, he was like, well, I have to sit for a half an hour, you know, at a charging station or a public charging station and 10 minutes here. And I was just like, okay, so let's let's look at this over a period of time. And um, it, it, the, the, I, I won't, like, read the article to you, but in, in the nut graph um, at the bottom, I just kind of say for the EV, assuming 100% at-home charging, you're looking at 21 and a half hours for all maintenance um, and fueling over a 10-year period. And and I calculated out the time cost for that to be $686 over 10 years. Whereas for um, a time cost, and I used, again, Nebraska average salary prices, um, time costs for 10 years um, for fueling and maintenance for a gasoline vehicle is going to be $4,000. So $600 versus $4,000. Sure, you're going to be spending more time at a charging station if you do public charging, but right. your maintenance, waiting for your maintenance is going to be far less. In perfect world, you don't use that much public charging, right? People Correct. should be charging at home. So nice job on this article. I think people should read it. We will link to this. And then I wanted to talk to you about the tire thing, because mm -hmm. I believe that that's a thing. I think that that yeah. will eat into these costs somewhat. The average electric vehicle weighs about 800,000 pounds more yeah. than um, that it can, um, comparable, comparably sized, um, internal combustion engine vehicle. And I think that those yeah. battery uh, those tire costs are going to be a real thing. I don't yeah. think they're going to in any way make up for the huge cost advantages that you demonstrated here. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the other thing that you have to keep in mind though, is if you look at the upfront cost of the F-150 versus the F-150 Lightning, I mean, it's more than $20,000. So sure. yeah, over the life of the vehicle, you're gonna spend $30,000 or whatever, but upfront, you're spending more upfront. So it does kind of, if you're looking at the actual cost of the vehicles um, without markups, because everything is crazy right now. Um, but, but so it, I think at the end of the day, it does even out if you look at upfront costs as well. As well. But it, it, is, it is crazy for fuel and for maintenance, just looking at that, Gasoline vehicle is definitely the loser. In the leasing world, that is TCO, total cost of ownership. And and yes, I think the upfront cost, those are going to come down, obviously. Mm -hmm. Though, unfortunately, Ford just raised the price of the F-150 Lightning and the Mustang Mach-E, yeah. which is a bummer. And as we've noted, that's going to push those vehicles over the caps for the new yeah. incentives. But whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, you, but you raised some great points. It, it, ownership can be at least affordable for an EV. Yeah, so, but speaking of the new caps, we have somebody coming up in the next segment who can talk about this. Uh, and, and Will, we will make him, we will make him do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And Jill, that was the perfect segue because we're totally out of time for this segment. In a moment, we come back with Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around today. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain. All right, our guest today is Sam Fiorani. He is vice president of global vehicle forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast, Sam Fiorani. Hey, Sam. Great to be here. Great to hang out with you guys. So this is your 10th visit, is that correct? As far as my count is, yes. And uh, I, I'm still miffed that I'm behind John Beale. Oh, are you? <laughs> I, didn't, I was wondering about that. I didn't know. I'm like, somebody's counting. <laughs> I'm very competitive in this way. <laughs> Sam, tell us about Auto Forecast Solutions and what you do there. Auto Forecast Solutions is a consulting firm for the automotive industry. We provide a data analysis and, uh, and consulting services uh, on production sales. We cover the, we cover the globe, uh, about 60 countries of production, and uh, uh, 
a little bit more than that in sales. So uh, we we cover everything, and we we have experts in every field to to answer questions. Now, your excellent monthly newsletter is only available to clients. Is that correct? That is correct. We we send out a. a 12 to 16 page monthly newsletter to all our clients, keeping them up to date on what's going on in the industry, how we look at sales, how we look at production, and special reports. Uh, this month we did a special report on the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Excellent, which we'll be talking a little bit about in a moment. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, Sam, is I had some questions, and I think you and I differ a little bit on where this may go, and I suspect you're more correct than I am. But my concern about what recently happened in California, which is the gasoline uh, abatement mandate that, that all vehicles sold in California new by 2035 must be EV, as I understand the rule. And I'm sure there will be exceptions for medium-duty and commercial vehicles. But... Uh, my concern is, given the price of electric vehicles now, that this is going to force some people out of the market. EVs are more expensive than gasoline-powered vehicles, and I think that this is going to drive people into used gasoline cars. Um, how am I wrong? And, no, I, I think you look at that pretty well, that the value of a used gasoline car will go up because there will be fewer of them. But uh, plug-in hybrids are also part of this, so at least some of that mandate includes plug-in hybrids. So we'll, we'll see gasoline engines for uh, a considerable amount of time left in California. Uh, but it will also bring down the price of electric vehicles. As more electric vehicles hit the market, uh, higher supply hopefully brings down the price. And uh, people will be able to buy reasonably priced electric vehicles in the next 5 to 10 to 15 years as this mandate progresses towards 100%. Uh, we, we fully expect the demand for electric vehicles in California to go up. It's already extremely high. I think they, California sells over 40% of the electric vehicles sold in North America, or in, sorry, in the United States. So uh -huh. it's, it's already a large market for electric vehicles. Uh, I believe they're somewhere around 20% of their market is electric. Versus something like five for the rest of the country right now? Uh, it was five a year or so ago. I think we're above five or 6% now. So it, okay. it is progressing around the country, but obviously a bulk of those vehicles are sold in California. So my question to you, Sam, then, is if California is sort of artificially creating additional demand for EVs, how will that drive the prices down? Just having more of them. With just the fact that uh, uh, everybody's going to need to buy an electric vehicle, and if you want to keep the volumes up at your dealership, you're going to need lower-priced vehicles to sell to the average consumer. Uh, granted, the average price of a vehicle today is approaching fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So I don't know how the average consumer is buying any vehicle at this point. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I'm kind of priced out of the market at this point. So uh, electric vehicles will come down. General Motors has already promised a, a vehicle around thirty thousand dollars. I'm sure the Blazer will come in around forty thousand dollars. So there there are much more affordable electric vehicles on the horizon, and that's just one manufacturer. A, a, we expect Ford and the import brands to follow suit as uh, as closely as possible. So about, about EV affordability, Ford recently raised the price of the F-150 Lightning and the Mustang Mach-E about 15%, and, and in doing so, cited the cost of battery materials as one of the driving forces. Is that something that's going to stabilize? Because right now we see manufacturers scrambling to lock down and, and, build and, and sign contracts for long-term supplies of things like uh, cobalt and lithium and, and manganese. Uh, do you see these supplies stabilizing and, and why the rush now and why does there seem to be a shortage? Well, right now we've got such inflation generally across all products that it's a good time to say, it costs me more to make this vehicle, so I'm going to have to raise the price. That said, all these, part, all these components for electric vehicles are becoming more in demand and the price is going up on them. As more electric vehicles are built, we're hoping to find better sources for these parts, especially the, the components that are currently sourced from less than friendly nations. Right. And uh, the drive now is to find friendly nations supplying these things, which is at first going to raise the price because it's easier to find them in countries like China, in countries like Russia. And so finding them in friendly nations is going to be tough at first, but hopefully Capitalism being what it is, will lower the price and, and electric vehicles will become more reasonably priced in the longer term. So you're comfortable that we will eventually find supplies for these things that don't involve 
and, and what is one of the countries? The People's Republic of the Congo, I think, we're buying, and I forgot, is it cobalt? Are they a primary supplier of cobalt, for example? Uh, we, we could find other supplies for this stuff? Yeah, they are a supplier of, of components that we need, but, uh, but having done some preliminary research on where these products come from, some, the United States supplies most of the, uh, the materials we need for, for batteries, just not in the volume needed. So finding better sources in the United States, in Canada, in countries that we like, in Africa, in Asia, is going to be uh, a part of the longer-term plan. And uh, we're just hoping that we can get, get these things to happen sooner rather than later because it's, it, we're, we're required to get there sooner rather than later. And I assume you're, um, you're aware of the situation out in California. There's a lake called the Salton Sea. I guess it's a dry lake somewhat north of the Mexican border in California that is supposed to be an almost unlimited supply of lithium if we can tap that correctly, which would be a wonderful thing to happen in the, U uh, in the U.S. Do you know the status of that particular uh, supply? I, I don't know the status of that particular supply, but when it comes to uh, lithium isn't uh, the hardest of the minerals to find. We need to find uh, better sources, like you said, for cobalt. We need to find better sources for, uh, for the, the rare earth materials that are needed within mm -hmm. batteries and motors. So uh, finding good sources for those around the world is going to be the, the primary focus in the next five to ten years. So speaking of sourcing these materials, um, the Inflation Reduction Act included with it an extension of the $7,500 incentive to... Uh, electric vehicle manufacturers, or I'm sorry, purchasers, but it fundamentally changed the way that works. It originally had been an incentive really for EV buyers, and now it's really more of an incentive for manufacturers to build their vehicles here and to source the content of those vehicles here. And obviously there's a lot of consternation because uh, the Korean makers, Hyundai and Kia, are very upset because the, the, uh, the incentive no longer applies to their vehicles because those vehicles aren't built in the U.S. But the other part of this very weird legislation is that the battery itself must be made of up to, uh, or is it at least 40% uh, constituent chemicals that are sourced in the U.S.? Is that how that works? Well, it's sourced in friendly countries. Friendly countries, I'm sorry. Yeah, and so we're, we're Hyundai and Kia have every right to be upset because they were eligible a few weeks ago. And they won't be soon. So uh, these are very popular vehicles, and uh, a big part of Hyundai and Kia's move forward. Fortunately, they already had the plan in place to build vehicles in the United States. Unfortunately, it's a couple years away. Um, uh. They've they've stepped up the plans to to build the new plant that will focus entirely on EVs in uh, Georgia. So that that plan is progressing we're, we're just waiting for we don't know how much faster they can build a plant when they've already right. expected to be up and running in two years um, right but uh, go ahead well i was just going to say can we back up a little bit too and talk about just some main bullet points of what the ira is because i think there's a lot of confusion here about what this means versus what it meant, like what we had versus what we're moving to. I think there's a lot of confusion. I know you guys just did a report. So I'm wondering if you could just give like a quick summary of what this is and what it means. My first point on the old system, if you had a car, if you wanted to buy an EV, you'd go into the dealership and you would get a tax credit for $7,500 and that $7,500 would come off your taxes the next year. Right. If you could... If you could take $7,500 off your taxes, first of all, and right. secondly, uh, it's, but the, the main problem is you had to pay up front for the vehicle and then you would get off the $7,500 the next year. Right. So you taxes. If, if you like, so there are actually crazy people out there who get money back from the government. So if you were one of those people, um, like you would get nothing, like you would, you would not get the tax credit. Is that correct? Under the old legislation. Uh, my accounting is a little bad because it's been a long time since I had an accounting class. But uh, but I I'm under the impression that it was not on your not off your taxes, not off your end taxes, but off your paid taxes. So if you paid any taxes, right. you would get more off of that. So you would get you hopefully would get seventy five hundred dollars back additionally at the end of the year. Um, the biggest problem with the old system was not how you paid for it, but where the money came from. It, they raised the price of an EV 
mm-hmm. basically to $7,500. <laughs> right. So, so when uh, Chevrolet lost their tax credit on the Bolt, we immediately saw the price of the uh, Bolt drop $7,000. Right. Crazy how that worked. Exactly. So General Motors was making that $7,500 themselves, not the end buyer. The end buyer was still paying the same amount before or after the tax credit. Right. And, uh, and so this new one is going to be difficult to get the tax credit because there are so few vehicles that, that qualify. And if you can find a vehicle that qualifies, then the manufacturer is likely to raise the price of that vehicle to offset the tax credit. And you'll end up paying the same amount anyway. So, so is, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, so is the new one an actual tax credit like the old one was, or is it a discount off of the price when you buy it? It is a tax credit, but in the writing of the of the law, you can transfer that to the dealership, so you can get it off the price of the vehicle. Got it. I was going to say, so that's not confusing, but okay. <laughs> but, but it's a big deal if you're trying to keep your payments down, too, because you can't apply it then to your payments. Absolutely. In the old form, you had to get the, your taxes back to get the $7,500, so you had to pay for your $50,000 vehicle up front. In a strange way, too, Toyota, GM, and Tesla, all of which had lost their their uh, um, their qualification for the, the tax credit, now, actually, though almost no vehicles qualify, they have achieved some level of, of uh, market parity because they have less competition for the, the incentives. Right, right, yeah. When, uh, like I said, the, the Chevy Bolt is $7,000 cheaper than it was just a couple of years ago. Do you expect Chevrolet to suddenly raise the price by $5,000 because nobody else gets the incentive? Uh, there's a lot of change that's going to happen in the pricing of these vehicles going forward. And uh, the price of a Toyota BZ4X is going to go up uh, because they don't get they don't qualify for the tax credit. It, it's going to happen across the board, and you're going to you're going to see it as being uh, inflationary change price changes rather than oh we we can raise the price because there's no tax credit. So Sam, you and I talked a little bit about this online earlier offline earlier in the week, but there is not yet a definitive list of the vehicles that qualify for the new incentives, are there? Is there? We, we are struggling to, to put that together. We are trying to find out which vehicles as of January 1st will have the materials necessary to meet the credit. It's a very small list. Uh, currently for this year, apparently there are about 20 vehicles that, uh, that qualify. But as of January 1st, it seems like virtually none will. Yeah, very strange. And then over time, as manufacturers source materials in the U.S. or move production here, we will slowly see vehicles that qualify. And this incentive actually runs through, is it 2031? 2032, yes. 2032. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be out there for a while. That's the good news. But in the short term and even the midterm, there won't be that many vehicles that qualify for it. It's going to take a long time to be able to source the right amounts of materials because it, it progressively goes up year after year. Oh, longer to get there and harder to overcome the next hurdle. What a crazy thing. So, Sam, oh, go ahead, so, Well, b- before we switch gears, so does this new, um, the IRA, is it in effect now or does it go into effect at the end of the year? Like, are we still under the old tax credits? Like, what are we operating under today? That's an excellent question. <laughs> that we don't really know. We've read this, this law a couple times and the wording is a little iffy on a couple of different points. It seems okay. like as of now, if it's built in North America, you get the tax credit, but I cannot be 100% sure of that because it, it's hundreds of pages of this act and we're still waiting through all the legalese on this, this act. Got it. This so the, the short answer is we don't chopper. know. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. Sam, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to get your take on one interesting thing. Porsche. Porsche, a maker of legendary sports cars, uh, IPO. I can't afford a Porsche, but I might be able to buy a piece of Porsche. Talk about that. <laughs> By uh, going, having an IPO and releasing the value of Porsche to the public, suddenly Porsche can make some money on its own name. Uh, Porsche has been a, a division of Volkswagen for a number of years now. And so putting the stock out there allows them to, to take in 
the valuation of the company is now listed as somewhere around 60 or $80 billion. And wow. by putting some of the stock out there, it can raise money for the company. And it'll be really good for the development of, of EVs as they're going forward. They're going to need some more money for that. Uh, a lot of companies are looking for ways to get value out of their name. Uh, Ford has two divisions now where they have the legacy company, which is uh, like Ford Blue, and the EV company, which is uh, Model E. And so by splitting the companies out, the, suddenly the stock market pictures the company a little differently and says, oh, well, look, they're, they're a modern company. Now they're not this legacy company as uh, Ford Blue is. They are Model E. This is a more valuable company. Uh, Renault has followed suit. Volvo is doing the same thing. Uh, other companies are all looking into finding ways to, to unlock that stockholder value. And, and when Porsche, when Volkswagen does this and the IPO goes through, Porsche is going to retain considerable ownership in, in I'm sorry, Volkswagen is going to retain considerable ownership in Porsche, correct? Uh, I, yeah, Volkswagen most likely will, but also the PIAC and Porsche families will have a large share of that, which they do currently. Gotcha. Understood. Sam, we're out of time. Tell us how people can keep track of what you're doing and what's happening at Auto Forecast Solutions. Uh, if you're in the industry, uh, check out, check with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm at Sam Fiorani on LinkedIn. And uh, we have a Twitter handle of, the, of Auto Forecast Solutions and Sam Fiorani. Uh, check our webpage out. And uh, one last thing uh, is that I'm a judge at the, Redding, the Radner Hunt Club Concours coming up in a couple weeks. And if you're in the area in eastern Pennsylvania, please come by and uh, see the, our charity car show. Excellent. Will do. And Sam, you have uh, agreed to stick around for the quiz. Is that correct? Uh, I, I'm hoping to actually win one. You know, it'd be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're up against me, so your chances are pretty good. All right. That is Sam Fiorani. That is Sam Fiorani with Auto Forecast Solutions. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for sticking around today. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. How, how can folks best keep track of your social media activity? All of it. All of it. Um, all of it, because there's a lot of it. Um, there is. Find, find my name. Um, I would say that's probably the easiest way is find my name. So Jill, usually my social handle on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, any place you want to find me is Jill Simonello. So J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. And I use the hashtag car du jour because I'm usually tweeting, Instagramming, posting about the cars that I'm driving today. Speaking of Twitter, hmm. did you see my, my video of a guy in a rabbit suit driving a motorcycle around Mount Prospect, <laughs> Illinois? I, I did not see that. It's on Twitter. People want to see that. It's kind of frightening, really. Okay. Yeah. On my Twitter, I'm having an argument about the article that we discussed in the first segment. So, you know, they want to see that too. So much. So much stuff in social media. So, so much time. stuff. All right. Uh, it's quiz time, boys and girls. Sam, thank you for sticking around for the quiz. Today's topic is Dodge. Oh. Sam, you're our guest. You go first today. I hope you're ready. As ready as I'm going to be. Sam, which of the following, which of the following is not a Dodge Durango trim level for 2022? RT Hemi Orange or Platinum? Those are three or two. <laughs> two. It's RT Hemi Orange or Platinum. One of those is not a 2022 Dodge Durango uh, trim level. Ah, oh, everybody uses platinum. That's a, <laughs> um, I'm going to say that platinum is not a, a Durango trim level. All right, Jill, this question goes to you. One of these is fake, RT Hemi Orange or platinum? Well, I know RT definitely is, but the question is RT Hemi Orange. And plus, I just don't know that platinum is in the Dodge lexicon. I... I that is not familiar to me. So I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Sam and say platinum is not the real trim. You both get a point. There are too many Dodge Durango trim <laughs> levels for 2022. Yes. GT, GT plus, RT, Citadel, RT, Hemi Orange, RT plus and SR 392, but platinum not among them. You both get a point. Woo. 
Jill and Sam, one each. Okay, Jill, this question goes to you. Which of the following is not a Charger SXT color? The Charger, of course, uh, Dodge's sedan. Uh, Octane Red or Seltzer Crystal? One of those is fake. Ooh. Octane Red would be the obvious choice to say it is a real color. Um, yeah. But I know other automakers use Octane. So you said Octane Red or Seltzer Gray? Seltzer Crystal. Seltzer Crystal. That's a weird name. One of those um, is And I, I do... I'm going to insert a shameless plug for one of our previous podcasts where we talked to one of the team members who comes up with the names for Dodge vehicles. If you haven't heard that, you should go back and listen to it. I don't know what number it is, but it's awesome. Um, you can search um, and find it. Uh, I'm going to go with yeah. Seltzer Gray. Uh, it's Seltzer Crystal. Uh, Sam, this question goes yeah. to you. Which is fake, Octane Red or Seltzer Crystal? Seltzer Crystal is my favorite Pepsi flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to agree with Jill on that one. So you're both saying that Seltzer Crystal is the fake? Yes. All right. You're both correct. It's two to two. This Ooh. is anyone's game. Wait, is Seltzer Crystal actually a Pepsi flavor? No. <laughs> it was Pepsi like, Crystal. I think it was just called Pepsi Crystal. Okay. I'm like Pepsi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, I do Pepsi. Not drink soda. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sam, this question goes to you. What is the base base price of a Dodge Charger SXT with no options but with destination? Is it 32025 or 34075? Oh, couldn't make it like $15,000 or $60,000, could you? No. 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 That's uh, easy. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the lower of your two numbers there. 32025. Jill, this question goes to you. The least you can pay sticker price for a charger. This would be an SXT, the base trim level. 32025 or 34075. So in my head, I was thinking right around 30. Um, so I feel like I have to actually agree with Sam and say 32. You're both correct and tied 3-3. Three, three. Ooh. Alrighty. By the way, this never happens. I never get this many right. <laughs> there's, there's still plenty of time for you to screw up, Jill. Just pay attention. Uh, there, there is, in fact, plenty of time. Jill, for what, I'm sorry, what was the last model year for the Viper, the Dodge Viper, Dodge's crazy V10 sports car? Was it 2017, 2019, or 1904? <laughs> Not 1904. Um, okay. You said 2017 or 2019. 2019? Last model year for the Viper. Oh. We were all done paying attention to it a long time ago, but. That that is that is true. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, I don't. I'm. I this this one. I'm really not sure about. I'm probably gonna get it wrong. So I'm gonna say 2017. 17. <laughs> all right, Sam. This question goes to you. Last model year for the Viper. 2017 or 2019? Or 1904? You know, for eight liter Viper had like 20 horsepower because that's just how much yeah. horsepower it <laughs> yeah. would do. But uh, yes. I was going to be different, hoping that she would take 19, but I'm going to take 17 as well. All right, you're both correct. It is four to four. Oh. Wow. This next question goes to Sam first. I think Sam may get this. Sam, who were the original Dodge brothers? Were they Horace Elgin and John Francis? Or Rudolph Caleb and Francis Henry? It, Horace and John were the Dodge brothers. He sounds pretty certain, Jill. Jill, who were the original Dodge brothers? Horace and John or Rudolph and Francis? Yeah, I was going to say you, Horace, was one of them. So thank you for not putting Horace in both of them, because <laughs> that would have been <laughs> diabolical. Um, so yeah, I've got to go with, I've got to agree, Horace. All right, you guys are tied 5-5, five, five, which means we go wow. to the bonus question. All right, now this is where I'm like, this is where it goes pear-shaped. All right, Jill. Yes. According to IHOP.com, I know mm. you go there a lot. Yep, every every day. When I was a I kid, a it, was the, it was the International House of Pancakes. Now it's IHOP. According to IHOP.com, which of the following is not on the IHOP menu? Are you ready? 
Yes. The pumpkin spice pancake combo, chicken and pancakes, Swedish crepes, or the peanut butter waffle tower. One of those is a fake. So I have to ask, are you like saying today, September, you know, in September, this is on the menu? Because PSL is usually pretty seasonal. I checked yesterday. Okay, you checked yesterday. Well, I know PSL came back yesterday or the day before at um, uh, Starbucks. So what were the options again? Pumpkin spice? Pumpkin spice pancake combo, chicken and pancakes, Swedish crepes, or the peanut butter waffle tower. Uh, I'm going to go with peanut butter waffle tower. Is the fake? Yeah. Also, I meant to mention there are 1,841 locations in the U.S. Uh, Sam. <laughs> Which of the following is the fake IHOP oh, menu then I, item? Oh, then I need to change my option. Do you? Okay. <laughs> that totally makes a difference. No, I'll stay with peanut butter waffle tower. Pumpkin oh. spice pancake combo, chicken and pancakes, Swedish crepes, or the peanut butter waffle tower? Oh, I was going to go with the peanut butter waffle tower, but I cannot tie <laughs> Jill. So, uh, so which means uh, you're probably going to get it right with whatever it is you choose. No, it means you're going to get it right because I'm going to pick the crepes. The Swedish crepes? Yes. Okay, uh, bad news, Sam. The peanut butter waffle towel is is the fake. Jill wins in the bonus yeah. round. I win, I win. Uh, and Jill, Jill, we got to get something out of the way. Yes, we do. Some news. Uh, the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast is going on hiatus, possibly yes. for the remainder of the year. Yeah, this is... We're not happy about this, but it's just a necessary thing we have to do. We need some time. We need to figure out how to make this thing work for us. And we've loved doing it. We loved having Damon here, but that's not going to happen anymore. But Jill and I have committed to bringing this back, have we not? We have, in fact, committed to bringing this back. Yeah, so we'll make that work out. I don't know if we'll be back on WCPT. I hope we will, but we will be back in some form fairly soon. I need some time to get some stuff done around here. There'll be some news about Consumer Guide coming soon, too, but... Uh, we, we love doing the podcast. You can check out bag episodes because there are 147 of them. 146. Mm -hmm. This is the current episode. 146 back episodes. But Jill, it has been a joy doing this with you. Uh, and, and, and you and I are going to meet soon to figure out how to make this keep going. Yes. Um, and I likewise enjoyed doing with this with you. We, we, before we started the podcast two years ago, you and I had had multiple conversations yeah. about getting this started. So, um, and we did it. So did it. I am, I am confident that we will be bringing it back. So you should follow us on definitely on Twitter, um, and our social media, um, because there will be announcements there as to, um, when, where, how we're bringing this back. Yeah. And follow the car stuff podcast on Facebook as well. That's our only Facebook, yes. our only social media presence, but we will have the news there. So we're definitely not going away, but we are taking a hiatus because we got to work some stuff out. And Sam, thank you for being our guest 10 different times. Uh, it has been a joy and a pleasure to hang out with you guys. Yeah. Uh, the pleasure was ours. And we should probably talk for a moment about what's going on at consumerguide.com, but I was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're this not ready. Damon. What? This was Damon's job, and, and now, uh, now it's mine. But here's what's uh, going on. You want to check this stuff out at the CG Daily Drive blog. We have a test drive of the 2022 Volvo C40 Recharge. This is Volvo's electric. Jill, what is this? Is this a car? A hatchback. It's I'm, not a small crossover. I'm, I'm gonna. I actually would say it's a small crossover. That's what I'm gonna say it is, um, because it's, it's lifted. It's it's higher off the ground. It has the hatchback. It's built on the same platform as the XC40. So C40 XC40. When the XC40 is a small crossover. So I'm going with small crossover. I love Fine. this vehicle. I'm with, I like it a lot, too. I like it for a lot of reasons. One of the nice things about most electric vehicles that are dedicated architecture um, is that the floor is very flat, right? There's no exhaust yeah. pipe. There's no drive shaft. So you have a, a, the, the appearance of roominess is enhanced a lot. But this car is fun to drive, very modern interior. It's quick. The only thing I wish it had was a little bit more range. I think it's rated at 226 miles. Yeah, so. and and in real driving, I, I it showed more than that. But yeah, it's rated at like 220. I wish 300 would be ideal. So many vehicles I'm driving, so many EVs are producing right now in the summer way more range than they're rated at. 
Yeah. We have the Mercedes um, EQS uh, 580 through the office, which I think is EPA rated at 340 miles. And we were very close to 400 on a full charge. And I've got the BMW iX charging right now. That's BMW's new electric crossover. And I don't know what the range on that is supposed to be, but we are comfortably in the mid 300s on a full charge on that. So just in excess of the, uh, in excess of the EPA numbers. Also on our yeah. website, I just uh, finished an article on five cool things about the 2020 Toyota Tundra, 2022 2022. Tundra. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, Jill, I you got agree you. with me on this. The Tundra was popular with Tundra owners, but didn't really find a lot of other people to buy it, really, right? It was kind of known for reliability, for durability, and a nice powertrain, but way mm -hmm. behind in features and tech. Yeah. And that has changed for 2022. Would you say that the new Tundra is competitive with... Uh, like big three trucks? Yes and no. So the one big drawback of the Toyota Tundra for 2022 is there are no front recovery hooks or tow hooks. And that is oh. a big complaint amongst um, all of the um, full-size pickup truck owners. You, you cannot recover this vehicle. And, and you know, it's a full-size truck and people who are diehard truck guys like do truck things. And um, that has been a, a big complaint that we've seen on our website is in, in our videos um, on YouTube is that there are no front tow hooks. So yes, but except for that. That's super interesting. I didn't notice that and I wouldn't have thought of that, but I'm not like a, a diehard trucker guy. Yeah. Interesting. But the, but the tech is there. Like I love the new infotainment system. Um, I will say for a petite driver, this is not for women in general, because I've, I've talked to other women who are not automotive uh -huh. people driving this. Um, you cannot get a good driving position because the seat doesn't pump up high enough. So for your average to tall male, it's great. But for anybody who's on the petite side of the spectrum, this is not it's not a good driving car. So here you are. Um, you're talking about five cool things. And I'm just like, no tow hooks. And it's not great for petite people. <laughs> Yeah. I'm an average to tall guy, so I find it pretty likable. Um, an interesting point about it, too, is there's really no base engine. There's either power or more power. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can go uh, turbocharged V6 or insane hybrid turbocharged V6. Finally, yeah, and the, uh, the, go ahead. I was just to say the top two, two trims are hybrid only. So the Capstone and the um, TRD Pro are hybrid only. I find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and one body configuration too. Finally, we have a test drive of the 2022 Toyota GR86. That's Toyota's little sports car. What a fun vehicle. This is the one that's built in conjunction with Subaru and in fact uses a Subaru designed flat four cylinder engine, which makes for a really interesting uh, exhaust note. But what a fun car. Have you driven this? Um, I have, and I will have the chance today to check out a special oh. edition version of it. Yes. There you go. We'll look forward to hearing about that. Jill, guess what we did? Um, we talked a lot today. We did. You talked a lot today, but you were supposed to, so that was cool. That's cool. I had a lot to say. So, yes, we are on hiatus, but we will be back. Jill and I promise you that. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Always glad to be here. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. Thank you to producer Andy and everyone here at WCPT AMA 20 in Chicago. A special shout out to Lady B who couldn't produce our show today. Lady B, it's been a great couple of years. We hope to work with you again soon. As uh, always, thank you to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. You guys are the best. Remember to follow the Car Stuff podcast and Consumer Guide Automotive on Facebook. News about the podcast will be found there. Um, if you have any questions or comments, uh, if you want to talk about how much you miss me, drop us a line at Car Stuff. <laughs> or me. At consumer, or, or Jill. <laughs> sure, that's possible too. It is. I'm adorable. She's adorable. She's adorbs. All right. Follow us at Car Stuff at, or drop us a line at carstuffatconsumerguide.com. All right. Let's talk more about cars again in the future. Thanks. Thanks.